Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You are listening to Dream. Episode 7, A Cosmic Queen. Once I was not form, but mere matter, a shapeless creation awaiting consciousness. In the miasma of my maternal cocoon I was moulded, limbs given length, face awarded features, Senses awakened from the cosmic gelatine of my mother's womb. In sleep, I dreamed. Of the external world, I knew little, yet also I knew all. The delicate buds of blossoming ears digested, warped and muffled sounds. The deep baritones of my father. The sweet tenor of my mother. The call and rush of society and life. With unseeing eyes... I drew a picture of a world far from what I would come to know, and in my prenatal darkness I witnessed stars forming shapes of origin and wonder. I see them all now. Through the membranous translucency of the monstrosity's jelly, colour and shapes twist and break like light through a kaleidoscope. Muffled sounds collide and warped into a din that is both muted and absolute. I see imaginings of shapes that might be the robed cult of hearts, but could just as well be pillars of stone architecture, 
or the presence of more of this creature's kin. I am not afraid. In this maternal case, I am rocked steadily into a light trance. The monstrosity's progress is smooth, its inner workings warm and soothing. Organs swim and squirm around me, sentient in their own design, and on occasion I am wont to laugh and smile with them, dance their frivolous dance as though one with my captor. I hold the book, my totem of sanity, the key to my prison. It is almost time. I feel it in every fibre. It screams along the passages of marrow in my bones. It ignites each nerve and swarms me with ecstatic fervour. I see his face. Not the fake Henry. Not the mutilated, misrepresented form of my rabbit brother that this world has produced. But my real brother. The one I know to be true. I see his face in the folds of jelly, smell his odour through nostrils choked with slime, hear his laughter as though he is everywhere and nowhere all at once. Soon we will all be free. Fungluwi, Mulglanuf, Cthulhu, Rulier, Wuganagel, Fontagen. In his house at Rulier, dead Cthulhu waits, dreaming. And then I am expelled. The monstrosity spits me upon the underwater rug in one sharp expulsion of saliva and drool. I roll over, unspool my body, rise to my feet. She is waiting. The Red Queen. Sat upon an obsidian throne of coral barbed with thorns, she leers down upon me, an ungodly creature of creation. Once human, perhaps. She is one of the few creations in this wonderland to bear no resemblance to family or familiars. Robes clothe her frame in deep slashes of burgundy and crimson. A white ruff encircling a neck of flesh so pallid and waxy that I wonder how her corpse is not bloated beneath this ocean. Eyes of matching black to her throne glint with cold unkindness. And upon her right cheek throbs the malignant swollen organ of a beating heart cancerous and haunting. Black specks swarm the undulating mass, and it is upon closer inspection that I understand the forms of small black fish and crawling tardigrades that feast upon the black ichor spilling its steady billows with each rhythmic beat. I hold the book in clasped hands behind my back as she leans forward with intense intrigue. Around me I am aware of the waiting audience. A hundred robed members of her zealous cult in a preacher's hall. They hum beneath their breath, a steady whisper of words now known and mistrusted in my mind. You are she? The Red Queen asks, her voice the screech of nails on chalkboard. The girl expected. So I am told. And you have brought the item with you? I know she knows. Though the game must be played. I remain silent. Show me. She commands. You first. I answer. Knowing deep in the hollow of my malnourished stomach that her secret is greater than mine. At first, she appears taken aback, 
her demeanor faltered. When the smile returns to her face, she grins wide. Parts lips that may just be scars on her face and reveals gums topped with teeth like shattered glass shards. You are more than you appear, Alice. As are you. I raise my chin. Picture Henry. Show your true self. The one that demands obedience from your subjects and has haunted the steps of my journey to this place. The Red Queen gives a placating nod. And as she closes her eyes, her form begins to shift and swim, breaking apart in a thousand places. What had been the solid material of her matter becomes threads of genetic creation. Dark shapes swarm in a black mass of electric eels, writhing, bucking, wrestling with reality. As I try to track single beings, I find myself dizzying. And it's only when I blink that she stops and I see what I have guessed to be true. On the throne sits my fish father. Hello, Alice. Before I can offer retort, she's shifting again. Her transformations are rapid, frequency increasing with each passing second. One moment she is my fish father, the next a flaming canine nymph of terrible assembly, in the next a gaunt of night swiftly superseded by the visage of my cat mother. With a wave of nausea, she is the malformed goblin twins, the hatter, the hare, and soon she is my rabbit brother. In the next instant she has returned to my cat mother, shifting between each form with an unrivaled fluidity designed to unsteady a mind already fragile enough to be treading the sword's edge. Is this what you wanted? Her voice calls, a polyphonic echo of tones and pitches. Have I satisfied your curiosities now? Are your suspicions of the truth confirmed enough that you will now take your final steps and complete what has been written in the stars for eons past? Hot tears sting my eyes, the water projecting gusts of unseen waves that knock me unsteady with each shift of her form. I brace myself as the rising tide of cultish chanting steadily rises, and before I know it, I am shouting, calling with the passion of the gods of Olympus to know her true form. Show yourself, I command. Shed this falsity and reveal what is true. Laughter erupts around me, and for a moment I glance in all directions, expecting to see her in swarms. Instead, I spy illusions of cat-like grins, hovering like encircling birds, no body or master fixed to their leer. Show yourself! <laughs> the laughter fades, and the mouths disappear. I turn my gaze upon the throne and fear that it is all finally over. My mind now broken, shattered, madness consumed. For, sitting boldly upon the onyx coral throne, is a creature of alien design. One would be foolish to describe it as a humanoid, though some features recall the gait and appearance of man. A tripod of insectoid legs holds the figure steady on the ground, spindly, yet with flesh that appears both soft and hard at once. A torso both thin and muscular stretches from the waist towards the shoulders, where two skeletal arms trail towards the ground. At their end are bony appendages, 
four skeletal fingers capped with sight-like claws that appear as though they could pierce the very fabric of reality. Yet even with all this detail, it is not the body of this impossibility that alarms me the most. For sitting upon the stretch of skin where shoulders should be, but his only neck, is a vapid black hole rimmed with teeth and canvas with melting flesh, from which swarms a mane of squirming appendages. I am reminded of worms and stick insects and cuttlefish all at once, and I can fight the acidic tide no longer as vomit rises to my lips and spills into the crimson sea. In front of me it floats as a sand-coloured cloud, temporarily blocking her visage, though the relief is short-lived as, without evidence of working vocal cords, the mouth announces, You know what it is that I am. And I do. At first, as I arrived on the golden shores of this land, I did not. But in the possession of the pages of this ungodly book I hold, and in the memory of my encounter with my fish father within the labyrinth, who was not my fish father from the verdant shores, I understand her trickery. She is Nyala Thotep, the crawling chaos, a creation of mischief, manipulation and devilry that would set even the great Norse Loki to shame. One that would trample upon Eris, Wizakajak, and the Monkey King to throw their deeds into the footnotes of an archaic history. A cosmic myth made manifest before me, revealed in wonder, alarm, and terror. In the thrum of the power of the book clasped in juvenile hands, I see her history with no beginning and no end. Her travel and journey through space and time. She is the linchpin of this world the imaginer of this hallucinogenic reality, and it is to her that every whim and wonder and molecule of this world is served. The book, girl, Nyarlathotep croons. It is time. Make good what is mine. You shall not awaken him, I reply, hands trembling upon the power of her presence. I know what it is you seek. And I will not allow it to pass. And what is it you believe to be true? She is playing with me, curious and entertained at my boldness. You are confined, a vessel trapped in the reality of your own design. I do not know how this came to pass, but I know that you must awaken the others of your ilk to destroy the doorway to my dimension. Cthulhu is the first domino. Awaken the Great Old Ones and perhaps the Elder Things will follow. Your kin. Drawn to the flurry of your escape, they will swarm my world and break it. Return modernity to the primordial. It is this chaos that you seek. Nyarlathotep sits forward, rests spindly elbows on knobbly knees. Very good, child. You know much. Then you will also know what you must do, what is destined to pass. I take a breath to steal myself, nod, bring the book from behind me. In an instant I feel its pull as though magnetized towards this ancient cosmic being. I grasp it tightly, white knuckles shaking, yet it tugs with untold urgency. Why me? I ask, wrestling that which should be inanimate. That's what I fail to understand. Why am I chosen? Why is anyone chosen? 
The crawling mass returns, appendages writhing and undulating in invisible currents. Why does anything occur? What is the purpose of presence? What is the intent of creation other than to be and to not? For eons your kind has sought answers, begged for purpose, cried for reason, killed for order. And isn't it in this quest for sanity that insanity is allowed to thrive? The book slips an inch. I tighten my grip, fingers throb, a page threatens to tear. Release it, Alice. She is bored with me. It is inevitable. You have no power here. Your part is played. Then why not take this book yourself? I ask. The book slips further. The cult of hearts watches beneath the shadows of their hoods, chants growing louder. If the power of the Necronomicon is all you need to unlock the door and break this reality, why leave it in the hands of a young girl? The first signs of fear ripples across her body. She shakes it away, attempts composure. Too many questions. You know what I think? I think you fear me. I think there is something within my power that you are terrified of. Something that you cannot control. You say that my part is played, yet here we are. Because you are not the master puppeteer in this performance, are you? There is a rebel in your midst. An outer god that you do not control. I think of my fish father. Of his words upon the shores of a tropical beach oh so long ago. One of their kind without a modicum of malice. The vessel that found me first. There is still one being that you fear. The great vapid hole of Nealothotep's moor shudders and snaps. From the depths of its abyss rise a dozen tendrils, the purple of day-old bruising, slugs stretched and pulled like liquid caramel. And in a sudden surge, they snake towards the book that wiggles in my grasp. A single word reports from all directions, fills my head, pierces drum and canal, Enough to make me want to release the book and clap my hands to my ears. Enough! And yet in this moment, I muster strength enough and draw the book towards my bosom. Fight bleeding ears and trickling nostrils. Before the snaking monstrosities can reach me, I throw the Necronomicon's pages open and find what I know to be there. What has been whispered and feared in the tumultuous air since my first descent into this madness. In the centerfold of the ancient pages, a great blazing eye stares at me. Unblinking, omnipotent, everything. I utter words that were never learned, speak in tongues of the elders, and just as the tendrils slime and slick in the ancient pages, my head is rocked back, my eyes rolled into infinite, and I am gone from this world. A stark serenity washes its calm over each cell. I am all, and I am nothing, as I float in this expanse of endless cosmic wonder. There is no direction, no up, no down, only unknowable volumes of glittering stars among beds of purple and crimson nebula. Galaxies eddy like weeds in the bay, 
universes spiralling and twisted and infinite patterns and constellations. I need not breathe. I need not blink. I need not taste or hunger or worry or thirst or love or delight or exist. We are one, and one is we. And somewhere in the never-ending canvas of a universe that eclipses my earthbound life, I see a disturbance. A scar fractures across the hole, slits like blade to flesh, bleeds a great and wondrous eye that awakens and blinks its terror into the cosmos. I am but a child, staring up at an impossible moving portrait, and in the fiery torrents of its gaze I am broken, and yet I am healed. This being of no age and of no real destination and of no creator breaks upon me like waves to rock, and I am humbled in its presence. I know this creature. I have seen it before. A mushroom leading the journey that glimpsed me into madness. Azathoth. That is its name. And I am finally surrendered mad. Azathoth stares at each fragmented part of my floating creation. Its stare reaches me in the threshold before its lids, and in the vast distance of galactic matter that unites all that once was and will never be again. I speak with words that come not from lips, but from intention, and this wondrous magic of the unspoken dimension. And a flicker of the slitted lizard pupil gives me confirmation as the great Azathoth blinks and closes, and resumes its darkness in a powerful maelstrom of energy. Black holes blossom, devour planets. Stars that were once great now splutter and slip into shadow. Meteors and comets halt their paths. My tormented body gathers and folds, and in the slip of the suction of this great cosmic sinkhole, I find myself falling through time, falling through expanse, falling through space, falling, falling, falling. Falling down the rabbit hole, falling through the ocean, falling across the forest floor, falling through broken stones, falling through tables of bone meal and corpses, falling through bloodied labyrinths, falling, falling. I gasp, eyes snap open. Nyarlathotep beams with more agape, tendrils retreated. I hear rumblings, and there is both confusion and fear and joy sketched into her being. The cult whispers in words of wonder and terror, and I am aware that the castle is shaking. The foundations are trembling. Something terrible is awakening, and in that moment I wonder if I am too late. If the deed is truly done, and the lunatics have left the asylum. The chants grow ever louder as the wall to my right crumbles and drifts into the crimson sea. of bubbles rise, and what I believe to be seabed and coral-strewn floor is now moving, 
and shifting as a great titan rises to its full stature. I am held in desperate fascination at the behemoth that breaks the ocean surface and swallows the sky. The monster that swirls and spreads. The great elder god that is Cthulhu. Not of dragon, not of man, not of cephalopod, but a mutilation of all three. A monstrous god awakened with eyes blazing furious with rage. Clouds gather above. Thunder and lightning roiling in the blackening cotton as rain pelts in sheets and soaks this world, commanded by his mighty presence. The colt claps and jeers, chants and quakes, and with one titanic swipe of his claw, the roof of the castle is destroyed, and the rippling fabric of space opens a portal to a familiar dimension. Above me, through the warbling mirror, I see my house, my garden, my forest, my world. And as tears blur my eyes, I hear the crawling chaos erupt in triumph. Yes, the time has come, my friends. Arise, awake, claim what is your birthright. Escape this tormenting prison. I step to the creature, book shut tight in one hand. Wonder if her tendrils beat me to my magic as she opened the portal and awakened the gatekeeper. Wonder that my visit to the great cosmic everything was a mere dream and nothing more. Wonder that there is any hope left and that all I once knew was now gone. Folded clothes within the pages of this book. She senses my proximity, splutters a cry that might be a choke, and before the tendrils may surface, I plunge the book into the bowels of her vapid throat. Teeth clamp around my wrist, and as I wrestle free, a few drops of blood find her tongue. But it is done. The book cuts her airways, restricts existence, glows with bioluminescent wonder as its matter melds with her flesh. She staggers, falls, rise in blissful agony on the ground. Behind her, the great Cthulhu unleashes a roar into the thunderstorm, calls to its kin. Creatures of monstrous magnitude fall from the sky, crash into the ocean, send oncoming tsunamis to wash upon the zealous cult with no gratitude for their service. Yet, somehow, even amidst this chaos, I smile as I crane my neck to the sky. Settled on the crumbling rim of the broken castle roof is a small figure, rabbit-like and brother-like and full of comfort. Beside him sits my fish father, his true form and not some twisted labyrinthine pet. Beyond them both, in the place where the portal has rented, blinks a great and monstrous eye, all-encompassing and wreathed in flame. I laugh. The sound as alien as all of this world has been and ever will be. I blink, and in the time it takes for the snap of darkness to take me, great waves thrash and pulsing torrents threaten to destroy my body. But it is okay. Cosmic tentacles and tendrils have captured me, wrapped me in their womb. I am taken into the bosom of Azathoth, pulled into the closing portal that snaps closed like a blinking eye. 
its touch is maternal, its power is whole. And as my flesh ripples through dimensions and I break this cosmic boundary, I release a great sigh. Darkness claims me, and all that I know is starlight. I am uncertain if I am awoken first by sunlight, or by the summoning of my name. Alice? I stir, pain lighting like fire across my body. I taste dust and wood, and find my body laid on hard ground. Alice, are you okay? My brother's voice, innocent, inquisitive. Are you dreaming? I pull my eyes apart, lids splitting like breaking scabs. I cough dust from my mouth and write to myself. I am on my brother's bedroom floor, light flooding through gaps in the curtains, motes of dust waltzing majestically in the disturbance of my breath. My head pounds, and as I raise a hand to my brow, my mind fills with visions of oceans and castles and monsters and queens, and I am upright, alert and terror as I hunt this small space for the telltale signs of their existence. Alice, what is it? Henry sits forward, sheets pulled around his waist. You're scaring me. They are gone. Vanished. There is nothing here that may signal reality to my imagination. I take a long breath and meet my brother's gaze, noting that some of the colour has returned to his cheeks. His eyes are bright, keen, and I wonder how long I have been lost in slumber. Henry? Yes, silly. Who did you think it was? He chuckles, the sound like cleansing water to a wound. Were you having a bad dream? Yes. I frown, struggling to process. I suppose you could say that. I peel back the curtains, examine the garden. A small brown rabbit nibbles the grass. Normal. Usual. Ordinary. It all felt so real. And it did. I take a moment in this new silence and process my descent into madness. The great fighting forces of cosmic wonders manipulating their escape, fighting for freedom. A dream world, adjacent to this one and yet a thousand leagues apart, filled with monsters that should never be. I had imprisoned them, stalled their efforts, thwarted their attempts of escape, barred them in the final moments of a forthcoming triumph, witnessed realities that should never have been. Or that I imagined it all. With every passing second, the sludge of sleep fades. Dreams that had been so vivid as to be recognised as reality blurring, and I am left scratching and searching for each detail. A dream. That's all it had been. Nightmarish dream. Alice? Yes? Can we go outside today? I miss the warmth of the sunshine. I offer what I hope to be an encouraging smile. Of course. I'll fetch mother and father first. Tell them you're feeling better. I stroke his soft cheeks, feel the bones beneath his thin flesh. They'll want to give you your medicine, still. Okay? Okay. I smile, cup his cheek. I love you, brother. 
I love you too. I pause with my hand on the door, stare about the room. A gnawing sensation tickles the back of my head, and my gaze fixes on the cover of the book on his nightstand. No longer decorated with an illustrated dragon creature, but instead with a clean red heart upon its face. I falter, see the concern on my brother's face, offer him a reassuring smile. Thank my stars that the ghoulish nightmare has ended, and exit the room with a fresh gate of excitement at the dawn of a new day. Blissfully unaware that, through the closed door of the room behind me, my brother sits unblinking, gaze set at the furthest wall. Blissfully unaware of the creeping things snaking their way up his airwaves. Blissfully unaware of the sidonic grin that Stain's lips now licked with the steady sway of purple tentacles. Blissfully unaware that, despite all my efforts, she has come. And she is hungry for chaos. We hope you enjoyed this special Halloween episode of The Other Stories. If you love this story, you can now buy the full book available on Amazon. Visit theotherstories.net forward slash dream to find out more. Dream was written by Daniel Wilcox with audio production by Jimmy Horrors. Georgia Cook plays the roles of Alice and Niall Athotep. Josh Curran plays the role of Henry. Manny Railguy plays the role of Father. With a special thanks to our chanting cultists. A full list of contributors can be found at theotherstories.net forward slash dream. Theme music was provided by Doug Muggleton with artwork by creativeparameter.com. For a full list of contributors, including contact links and further information, check out the show notes of this episode. Finally, a special thank you to this episode's sponsors. Shadow and Spice Book Box. Quarterly subscription boxes for lovers of fantasy, horror, and dark romance. Sign up now at bookboxcanada.com. And Eerie River Publishing an independent publishing house specialising in dark fantasy and horror. Find out more at eerieriverpublishing.com. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives licence. Don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the heck out of it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.